Hello and welcome to the UFO Thinker podcast. My name's Frank and let's get cracking. So today I've had a few people messaging about these uh, more speculative episodes and um, saying that people you know, enjoy listening to them and I enjoy doing them. And uh, as you probably already know, if you listen to the podcast in general, I have a bit of a split personality between kind of being quite factual based in terms of actually doing investigations into cases and, and figuring out what the actual reality is of, of what's going on. But also on the other hand, I, I, I do like to do a bit of speculating and let the, the imagination run wild. So today's episode is basically going to be the latter of those two things. I'm, I'm just going to basically explore the concepts of what the hell are UFOs. I mean, I think it's fairly obvious by this point that UFOs are a thing. It's very difficult now for anybody to actually say there is no such thing as UFOs or even the concept of, you know, do you believe in UFOs? It seems bizarre. It seems an outdated thing to say. We now accept that there are things flying around. The reality of, of what they actually are is extremely up in the air still at this point in time. I argue that the the overwhelming likelihood is that these things are, for the most part, something that, that is non-human. Now, whatever whatever that is, is is still very much up for debate and the facts are still kind of gradually you know coming out bit by bit and there's so much secrecy involved the government you know knows a lot more than the public does and, and that kind of thing and um, it could well be that it's some kind of phenomenon some interdimensional thing it could be some kind of thing that's been on this planet way before humans and operates just in a spectrum of of reality that we can't perceive but in this episode I'm, I'm going to attempt to delve into some thought experiments and throw out some experimental theories as to what ufos and uap are you know the things that are flying around that we're experiencing what what are they and I think it's very important to point out that I'm not an expert, I'm not a scientist, I'm certainly not an astrophysicist or anything. Um, I'm not even a particularly experienced researcher, but I think my approach in this topic is that basically I'm just an ordinary person with a curious mind and I'm intrigued. And the way I see it, that this topic affects everybody. So everybody's viewpoint is is valid, you know, and, and worthwhile. So don't take anything that I'm saying too seriously. If you like the speculative side of things and you fancy delving right down into the rabbit hole with me today, stay tuned. If you prefer the more factual stuff, this may not be the episode for you. So let's get into it. So I watched a video the other day about the evolution of open world driving games on um, computers, you know, video games. And it was really amazing to see the evolution of video games in the last 20 years. I mean, 
I'm I'm kind of in my mid thirties, and when I was a kid, the computer games that came out that were cutting edge computer games with, you know, quote unquote amazing graphics, you know, at the time it seemed amazing. It really did. I remember playing games on the Sega Master System and the Mega Drive and stuff. Well, I actually, never had a Mega Drive. I was a, I always had the, uh, the slightly lesser console um, when I was a kid. The Master System, because uh, for one reason or another we couldn't get our hands on a on a on a Mega Drive. But you know, even those graphics seemed mind blowing to me. And I remember as I grew up, you know, seeing the 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 graphics on computer games evolving and things like that. And this video that I watched, you probably find it on YouTube. I can't remember the exact title of it, but it was something like the evolution of driving games. And it showed like the early driving games, which were just laughable. You know, games that I thought were absolutely amazing. I had a game called Hang On, and it was like a, a motorbike racing game on the Sega Master System. And it's like a joke, you know, the sound effects seem comical now, and the, the graphics are just like you know, hurts your eyes, but at the time, I was, like, amazed by how you could ride a motorbike in this virtual world, you know, by pressing a button, and, you know, as a kid, it seemed like this uh, this amazing new thing, like, futuristic almost, and then as you watch this video, you see the, the evolution of those graphics and to the kind of things that we have today where it's so realistic and amazing. It kind of made me think that, you know, the games that I'm looking at now as being amazing, am I going to look back on them in another 10 years, 20 years, and say, I can't believe I was blown away by those graphics? You know, imagine how things are going to be in another 10 or 20 years. I mean, it doesn't even seem that long ago, really, when you're talking about something as being, you know, back then. It seems like a blink of an eye, but actually it's 20 years, you know. So... It seems inevitable at this point that technology is going to continue to evolve. And obviously because we've got better computers and better technology and better processing power and all the rest of it, everything kind of goes hand in hand. You know, we are going to continue to increase the, the technological capabilities that we have as humans. And where I'm going with this, the way it ties into the, the phenomenon and everything like that is, it seems inevitable to me at this point that, that Neuralink will allow a direct interface with technology rather than having a keypad like you know at the moment we've got phones and before the era of mobile phones again i'm old enough to remember that before we had mobile phones if you wanted to find something out you'd have to go and flick through 30 volumes of an encyclopedia and find a paragraph about some information that you uh, that you're interested in and now you can just within about 30 seconds you can ask Siri and you've got like pages and pages of really detailed information high quality video footage to learn about whatever you want to learn about and the logical progression of that is is things like Neuralink so Neuralink in case anybody's not aware is basically a technology that Elon Musk is is in the process of um, developing which is to to implant a chip into the human brain through a surgical procedure which basically allows you to interface directly with your phone so obviously it's completely new technology still in very early testing stages but every technology has to go through that that early stage and the, and the, the testing phases so you know it's i think it's quite likely that that technology will eventually however long that will take i think it's quite likely that that will 
that it will happen. It's the logical next step. So rather than you having to take this little rectangle out of your pocket and press buttons on it, you will just be able to directly interface with the, the rectangle that perhaps you just keep in your pocket or keep around in the house and, and you can access the information that's on it. And it seems as a logical progression of that, that inevitably a Neuralink type technology will eventually be replaced by a wireless version of that technology, which doesn't require any actual hardware to be implanted into the brain. Same way that, you know, again, using the computer game analogy, back in the day, computer game controllers were literally wired. So you'd have a little thing in your hand which controls a wire, runs to the console and plugs in. And at the time, you couldn't really envision a wireless one, but obviously it's the logical progression. It makes more sense. You've not got this wire trailing around. It's less um, materials to actually put together. Um, the wire and, and use all the raw materials involved and, and it just makes sense to have a wireless one you can you know move it around easier and, and all things like that and if if we do see Neuralink come to fruition I think it's um, I think it's uh, you know overwhelmingly likely that eventually that will be become some kind of way of the technology perhaps you know directly interfacing with your brain wirelessly um, again, I, I'm not scientifically minded and knowledgeable enough to actually understand how that would work and maybe a lot of people aren't at this point in time but as time goes along, I think that that's what we'll see and if we see that that, that is inevitable then I think what follows is that our consciousness itself will begin to evolve in line with our technological evolution the way I see things going over the next 20 or 30 years is that material science will evolve technolo technology will will evolve and our consciousness will have to evolve with it even the way that human beings interface with the world with the universe around us has changed dramatically since we've had mobile phones i feel as though with every development in technology that, that comes along what comes with it is the development of consciousness as well as the development of how we actually interface with the reality. Imagine what Neuralink will do, and imagine what the next thing after Neuralink. I mean, it's hard to get your head round, but there could be a whole array of things that come along with any new technology, and it could fundamentally change the way that we live our lives. I mean... Even with your mobile phone, I remember having conversations with people when I was a kid and the conversation, the debate that you would have would always just run into a dead end because one person says this, the other person says that. There's no way to really prove or get to any fact. That's the end of that then. But now, the actual nature of debates is totally different to what it was. The way that human beings interact with each other is, is completely different because if somebody wants to... You know, just to use an example, I remember a specific conversation just popped up into my head. I was having a debate when I was a kid, probably quite a sophisticated kid, actually, thinking back on it, having debates of this nature when I was about 11 or whatever. But a friend of mine was, was from a religious family, and he basically believed that dinosaurs were not real. I think he probably got the wrong end of the stick somewhere, and I was trying to convince him that, you know, no, dinosaurs really were a thing, you know. And we just, I just couldn't, couldn't get it through to him, and there was no way to prove it because it was before phones, before the internet. 
So that was it. The conversation ended there. And now, obviously, what you could do is just pull up a few pages on Wikipedia and, you know, or, you know, find a, a convincing video on YouTube, show your friend, and that's the end of that conversation. It's the way that we actually access information and learn stuff is just totally different. And imagine how different it would be if we had Neuralink. And the thing is, consider a civilization that that may have already experienced these leaps in technology or a, a similar kind of you know parallel increase in capabilities imagine that they experienced that a thousand years ago 10,000 years ago i mean that is a tiny sliver of time in the grand scheme of things you know we could be talking about 10 million years ago that the they experienced the leaps that something like neuralink would bring and the whole way that they operate and communicate with each other and debate things and, and the way that ideas form in a society would be unrecognisable to the point where it's almost pointless speculating about it because it's just so far off that it's hard to even, you know, picture what it what it could be like. So let's try and focus on the relatively near future. And Again, I suppose it's all relative, isn't it? Like what what is near future? But I'm talking sort of in the next hundred, couple of hundred years. Because if you imagine something a million years down the line from where we are now, if we actually are lucky enough to survive that long as a human race, it's going to be so unrecognisable that that I can't really, I can't even begin to think what that could be like. But let's focus on the relatively near future of a couple of hundred years. So if you imagine that material technology continues to increase, advanced materials such as graphene and layered 3D printed materials and, and things like that, that technology continues to increase, our capabilities increase. And on top of that, the direct interface of the human mind with technology actually becomes you know, more of a, a significant point. And when you consider all of that, it stands to reason within the next, say, 50 to 100 years, we'll have extremely advanced materials, extremely advanced technology, and this will all be directly linked in to a human's individual consciousness. Now, if you can sort of explore the possibilities of what that, you know, what humans' experience could actually evolve into, it seems inevitable, really, that there's a, some kind of a direct link between separate consciousnesses consciousnesses that's a tough one to say and that if you imagine the internet as it is at the moment the internet kind of is everybody's consciousness all connected if somebody wanted to share an idea 30 40 years ago it would be really hard for one individual human being to share ideas with other human beings compared to what it is now. I mean, you can literally, you know, like look at Twitter. You know, you say something, if that idea resonates with other people, it goes viral. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands potentially of people all experience the message that you just wrote down within a matter of hours. And your idea is now spread to hundreds of thousands or even millions depending on the reach of the individual that's come come out with the idea and imagine what that would be like with some kind of Neuralink type of technology where everybody's consciousness is plugged into some kind of internet of consciousness consciousnesses 
that's a t- I'm gonna have to rehearse saying that one. I think <laughs> never. I don't think I've ever actually said that word before. But yeah, can you imagine what that would be like? Like a a a mass consciousness internet that all of the neural linked consciousnesses. There we go. Uh, connect to. And, and how easy it would be to share ideas with, with everybody else if that technology existed. And then again, it seems kind of logical to me that if you explore that path, that these technologies could lead you down the, the, the path of having some kind of advanced material navigation craft, which is directly linked to the consciousness of uh, an individual uh, pilot or you know if i want to have a better way of, of explaining it so obviously Neuralink, something like that the con an individual's consciousness can directly control a machine um so cars for example again another fascinating one for me is i i when i first passed my driving test i bought a 1980s volkswagen golf i've always loved volkswagen golfs in general i still do phone quite a lot of them a lot of different golfs but the one that i bought when i first started driving it had um nothing was automatic you had to switch everything on it had a four speed gearbox um the brakes were just like shocking you know it was really underpowered it was a really heavy car it didn't even have power steering and then you fast forward to the cars that are available today you know you've got like automatic gearboxes where the gearbox just changes instantly you can't even tell that it's changed wipers are automatic you know you've got lane assist you've got radar controlled like distance control you know even the tesla cars and things where they literally just drive themselves obviously the technology is very new it's still got some teething problems and things but you know, we're talking about an absolutely massive difference in how you use a vehicle to get from A to B. And again, if you consider that that path continues to evolve, you know, in, in 20, 30 years time with Neuralink type technologies, it stands to reason that you just get into the car and it automatically hooks up to the wireless Neuralink and then you want the car to go left in your head and you think that and it just goes left. You know, you want it to break and it breaks. It seems logical to me that that's the direction things are going in. And if that is the case, you've got to think there's the possibility of your consciousness being able to control some kind of flying craft as well. It doesn't necessarily have to have wheels, does it? If your consciousness can control, like a drone, for example, is already a basic version of that. So you can put virtual reality goggles on with um headphones and you can pilot a drone using a control um you know surface of some type like a a controller or a joystick or whatever but you can actually experience you can see what that drone sees through the camera so essentially we've created something that has virtual eyes and virtual ears that feeds that visual and audio signal back into our our brain and you can make that thing go forward and see what it's seeing as it goes forward and hear the sounds that it hears and imagine with Neuralink where you can literally just have whatever is seen by that particular uh, remote control drone you can just see the feedback from the camera and the microphone you can see and hear that directly into your brain without having to wear any kind of headset and you can control it without having to use any kind of control surface it's a it's an interesting thought of how that relates to potential uap 
um, UFOs in general, if there is some kind of civilization out there that has already developed that technology, stands to reason that that's pretty much how they would control it, or some kind of way more advanced version of, of controlling it than that. And one thing in particular that that occurs to me, again, seems kind of inevitable, but why would you actually enter a craft in your biological body when you'd got to that stage? Surely it would make more sense to, to actually pilot some kind of drone type of vehicle, just using your consciousness, as I just explained. And in the same way that, say, a probe on Mars is feeding back information through its you know eyes and ears um, with the, the microphone and the camera and its various appendages, probes, and things like that attached to the vehicle. Surely it stands to reason that when our consciousness has arrived at that particular level, we would not risk our biological body, which you know, apparently is kind of the anchor of our consciousness in the world that we inhabit. But in general, why would we risk that anchor you know, that, that biological body, which is the, the thing that's so fragile when you're traveling in any, any kind of vehicle, why would you risk that body if you didn't have to? If you could experience what the drone or what the, the probe is experiencing directly into your consciousness, you wouldn't really have a need to send your biological body to a location. You could experience it just as vividly, if the technology allows it, by actually just piloting it with your mind, essentially. And also, the other thing is that, that, that would potentially become available as an option is to actually 3D print or however, whatever the new technology is that, that becomes available with material technology, is to actually create a physical body. So, why, again, why would you risk your actual physical body when you could just design a body and then your consciousness would basically in inhabit that body for whatever exploration it is that you want to achieve. And um, bearing in mind, if that was the case, you could de design a body that has, you know, 25 arms or something. You don't have to necessarily have it as a human humanoid, um, you know, influenced design. It could be literally anything. It could be the kind of, you know, the a literal living craft which is like a kind of a hybrid of biological and and um you know uh, computer based like machine based um life form that that directly actually communicates with your consciousness you know it's it seems to be if you had the technology to do that sort of thing you would you know because it would be a lot more enjoyable knowing that you weren't risking your biological body and if anything happened to that craft or that 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 body that you've created for your own purposes at the end of the day your biological body wouldn't be affected so it's for all of those reasons that you have to remember why consciousness itself is so important to figuring out what advanced technologies could actually be now obviously there's still a possibility that ufos in general relate to some kind of natural phenomenon or uh, weather phenomena or some kind of physical anomaly or physics anomaly that that we just don't understand and there's actually no intelligent life possibly behind these designs of these objects however to be honest i, I think it kind of almost seems like that is one of the least possible explanations for what they are i mean if you look at 
the stars in the night sky and you consider that that is a tiny what the stars you can see in the night sky on a real really clear night is just a grain of sand on a beach and all of those other grains of sand represent just the same number of stars again it's just a mind-boggling number of potential places that life could have evolved and it seems like an outdated viewpoint now to consider that that it's unlikely that there is intelligent life out there and if if we assume for the sake of this thought experiment that these objects actually are technologies you know or at least most of them are or at least some of them are even if it's one percent if we assume that some of them are technologically advanced civilizations and an advanced intelligence most likely using some kind of direct consciousness interface um and you know these things could represent exploration probes of multiple civilizations or races or consciousnesses or however you want to call it well let's consider this as a possibility what are they actually trying to achieve so again there's different kind of ways to 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 look at this but it seems that humans are on the path to eventually integrating consciousness directly with technology it seems to me that it's just going that way like you can't live without your phone now you would be it's the equivalent of going back in time 20 years if you don't have a phone if you try and compete with other human beings in terms of learning in terms of um just keeping yourself entertained or or anything if you don't have a phone you're completely putting yourself on a different timeline to everybody else because how are you going to find out things? How are you going to know what the, the weather's going to be like? I mean, yeah, you could tune in, wait till the end of the news report and, and finally see the weather forecast. You know, that might take you 25 minutes to, to actually figure out what the weather's going to be like. But if you have a phone, you can find out within about 20 seconds. You can ask Siri what the weather's going to be like. So human beings now have become completely attached to technology. It's, it's one of the things it's a characteristic of human beings that we have technologies that help us you know just like um like a a hermit crab yeah so a hermit crab little crab lives under the sea doesn't really have its own shell but it finds empty shells of other crabs and lives inside of that that shell now the hermit crab without the shell without the ability to find an empty shell and inhabit that is screwed basically i mean it's just a soft little creature it's going to get eaten up by a fish or whatever um, and that's the end of the hermit crab the hermit crab now has this ability to inhabit a shell of another crab and all of a sudden that's a complete game changer it can survive attacks it can you know it can last a lot longer it can the hermit crab's not just going to turn around and go yeah actually i'm just not going to bother with all of that i'm just going to be a soft little crab and get eaten it doesn't make sense does it so in the same way humans are never going to go backwards we're going to keep pushing forward and if that is the case is it inevitable that human beings when we reach that stage of the the mass consciousness with everybody's neural linked consciousnesses all hooking up to one do we kind of get to the stage where humans are just a one consciousness and i don't really like the ideas of oneness the kind of like not not offensively but the hippie-ish kind of way of of looking at things the oneness and we're all one and things like that i've never really it's never really struck me as a as a kind of a concept that i really get on board with but 
on the other hand, though, it does seem that humans, millions and billions, you know, of human beings' consciousnesses all linked up together into one would be way more powerful. It's the equivalent of a, a, a worldwide supercomputer, you know, to the point where, you know, if you've got like a one computer and what what's going to be a lot more powerful than that? Ten computers all linked up together that, that, that you know, multiply the, the computing power and the storage capabilities of that particular computer by, you know, a, a vast amount. And eventually when human beings can link up the consciousnesses and people can actually work on scientific problems and philosophical problems as a one consciousness, it just seems like it's kind of a no-brainer, you know, like no pun intended. But, you know, it, it is logical that that would happen, isn't it? So... If a civilization exists out there that's already developed this kind of technology, you know, 10,000 years ago, a million years, whatever, what what would they actually be trying to achieve at that point? Like, they become unbelievably advanced in terms of conscious, consciousnesses, potentially all being linked um, in some kind of consciousness, internet type of way, Um the material technologies become really advanced. They potentially got the possibility to be able to create these biological bodies or combination biological with um, you know machine elements in there. Um, I suppose that in itself is a whole other debate of whether it would be biological or machine based or both. But anyway, let's let's not dwell on that uh, for for now. What would a civilization like that want to actually achieve? What what would you do? as a civilization i mean what do we do now you know we try and improve ourselves and we try and um, do things and 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 what what what's the basis of that we try to experience things and it seems to me that experience would be a motivating factor for any advanced civilization one thing that has remained constant throughout our journey through development is that the desire to know more about the universe that which has actually remained the same or in fact arguably is intensified as we've become more technologically advanced i can't think of any technology that has made us become less inquisitive and i feel as though with every technological leap we use the technology that we've discovered to understand more and to experience more of the universe that is around us so it stands to reason that if, if a civilization does develop some kind of direct interface with the technology and the consciousness and everything becomes linked and the technology the technology gradually becomes more and more merged with consciousness and what they would do is to strive to learn and understand more about the universe. And that would most likely come in the form of multiple probes perhaps one mass consciousness sending out thousands and thousands or millions or whatever number of probes across the universe in an attempt to understand and experience as much as possible. I think it's also worth considering the possibility that a civilization could reach a point where all of this consciousness links up and becomes a mass, a one consciousness as, as I described earlier and that is actually how the civilization then moves forward. Because as I say, you're not going to go backwards once you get to that point. And if this is the case, and 
an integrated linked civilization wide consciousness could then control millions or billions of smaller probes manufactured specifically to feed back information about the universe to the initial consciousness when you consider that is it possible that these tic tacs and triangles and saucer shapes that we see are some kind of intelligence gathering or knowledge gathering probe which may have been sent out en masse all across the universe by some kind of ancient consciousness which is seeking out all the knowledge that it can or even actually kind of harvesting our experiences as i said earlier experience is something that has never gone away and as we evolve and our technology evolves and arguably our consciousness evolves the the thought of wanting to experience new things the desire to experience new things has never actually changed and if some kind of extremely advanced consciousness you know was trying to send out probes surely they would also want to experience new things and what better way of experiencing new things than finding life forms all across the universe and being able to sort of harvest their experience and then live new experiences vicariously through the 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 beings that you discover across the universe and i think the other possibility is that this is pretty out there but perhaps we ourselves are the probes and that consciousness a consciousness so advanced as what i described earlier could actually send out biologically engineered life forms which have the innate desire to actually learn and gather information and become more advanced and self-replicate and actually have the ability to advance themselves with a built-in algorithm type thing and could that actually be what human beings represent we were seeded on this planet and potentially countless other planets by an unbelievably powerful consciousness and left to our own devices to gradually evolve and to gather experience and that each individual human's experience is basically fed back to a device possibly a tic tac which is then sort of beamed back to the initial consciousness and if you think about it every single human being has a unique perspective due to genetic variations and particular physical variables and variables of where the human being actually comes into the world if i was an all-powerful advanced civilization that's something that would really interest me i mean again it's all speculative but i mean it, it it kind of makes sense that it would be fascinating imagine having the capability of creating billions of probes to explore one particular world and gather unique perspectives on the universe and experiences that can only be experienced by this one particular individual human being because every human is different we know we are the, the nature of our genetics is that no two human beings are the same and that would lead to each individual human being have a different set of experiences throughout the lifetime and it would be an amazing experience for for a consciousness and 
what better way to learn about the universe than to send out potentially billions, trillions of these initial replication devices and plant them into worlds where they could possibly thrive and go on to experiment and become more advanced themselves and and possibly even to the point where each of these implanted civilizations on various planets could actually then themselves go on to become eventually what was you know with given enough time they could create their own intelligences and arguably that's what we're doing today by creating artificial intelligence and things of that nature and maybe the idea is that eventually they become as advanced as the initial consciousness was that created them in the first place now this would open up a whole can of worms in terms of thinking about you know it, it would go some way to explain why humans live such a confusing existence i mean it's it's always baffled me that we're born into a world which is capable of giving us such incredible experiences but there is an inevitable cruelty to our reality that no matter what we experience eventually we'll perish and have no idea you know throughout our lives where we come from or where we go back to and in the scenario i described earlier when we eventually do die maybe we realize that all we actually were was a tendril of you know one in, one individual sensor de- deployed by an all-powerful consciousness which you know ev- evolved perhaps billions of years before we did and that this consciousness essentially gives birth to each and every human being through that initial seeding process and all we are is one cell one initial sensor sent out to experience a unique perspective and feed back our experience to the overall mother consciousness if you will it could be that the billions of planets all with seeded civilizations on them each one self-replicating biological machines just like ourselves which are designed to go forth and multiply and feed back their experiences of existence to that overall consciousness it always seemed cruel to me that the humans only experience a small percentage of what actual reality is and is it possible that the reason for that is that we've been created as sensors to feedback information about experiences to that overall initial consciousness and and perhaps the the initial consciousness can experience a much broader spectrum of reality than than what we can if a supremely advanced consciousness wanted to do this it would have to design the senses of the replicating devices to not understand at least initially every aspect of the reality that they inhabit and any experiment is done with specific variables and specific controls in place perhaps the senses that we that we have were designed specifically with certain controls in place to limit our actual understanding to focus so to sort of focus the experience to a narrow band of reality and that the consciousness that we have was designed it with that in mind and perhaps some of the other probes that exist out there in the universe explore a completely different band of reality and perhaps there were over time some of the 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 experienced devices that have been implanted onto other worlds perhaps some of those devices have actually already evolved way beyond us and it could possibly be that some of these objects that we see the uaps ufos 
we could be looking at some of them are actually probes which feed back information and, and sort of harvest our consciousnesses and our experiences some of them could actually be from other civilizations out there which are some you know further along the the, the line of, of advancement than what we are and if you look at it that way it actually goes a little way into tying in with some of the things that for example Tom DeLonge has said regarding um these and, and and a lot of a lot of not just Tom DeLonge but a lot of historical um traditions and and myths and things of of angels and demons and you know Tom DeLonge in particular has said that these beings um feed off negative emotion now if you have some kind of overall consciousness which is sending out your self-replicating biological devices i.e humans and the reason for doing that was to gather experiences and be able to experience new unique experiences on a massive scale then actually the harvesting of 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 um or feeding off of of negative energy and things like that sort of makes sense because the actual consciousness would want to experience things of intensity they wouldn't want to experience mild day-to-day experiences it would arguably more be more exciting for a overall consciousness to actually experience things that were dramatic and perhaps that that's not true i mean it could be that what we consider to be dramatic is is irrelevant to some kind of extremely advanced consciousness and they might find things that we find really boring to be absolutely amazing but it's just something that occurred to me while i was preparing the notes for this episode that you know the the kind of the concept of you know angels and demons and and you know evil spirits feeding off negative energy and feeding off fear and and things like that um could be could be linked in some way and and also if you think about the the really big picture that human beings are on the path to eventually create a technology which is basically the 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 advanced technology that i was talking about that may have created these experience harvesting um you know devices and and seeded experience creating uh self-replicating devices uh, across the universe humans are basically on the path to creating that so is it that you know the end uh, is the beginning you know once humans eventually kind of get to the stage of being able to create their own um you know one consciousness that everybody's consciousness links up to and then we seek knowledge and experience throughout the universe and we eventually reach the same conclusion of inventing some kind of self-replicating devices to spread across the universe to experience more experiences you know that end is also the beginning you know it's, it's something that, that always haunted me about the um the the concepts that that Lou Elizondo talked about in one interview where he said, imagine time is like a cigarette. You know, there's the beginning of the cigarette, there's the end of the cigarette, and there's the bit that's burning, and the bit that's burning moves through. You know, I don't really know how that 
what the actual meaning of that is as as Lou Elizondo understands it but it could be that the end is the beginning the end point of the human being is to eventually give birth to this one consciousness everybody's consciousness is linked up to it and we create some kind of self-replicating you know entity which we spread across the universe in order to experience new unique experiences so yeah that's pretty much the end of my crazy woo woo theory for today <laughs> bear in mind like i've said if you've got this far you, you you maybe have enjoyed listening to this so um you know it's nice of you to have listened to the whole thing um it basically as i say i have no proof of any of that it's just it's kind of like me delving right head first down into the rabbit hole um I enjoy thinking about things like that. There's certainly no relation to reality or any proof of any of that. But you know, imagination is a is a is an interesting thing to delve into, and uh, you know, it keeps me occupied anyway. There's a lot of uh, a lot of bad things in the world, and and sometimes it's nice to just get lost in a bit of what if. And uh, that was the point of today's episode. There, um, one th- one thing that I I always really steer clear of is is people who present things like I've just presented there as fact because make no mistake there are people like that um you know there are people who who who, who present a without naming any names you know there's people that present concepts of that nature write a book about it and then flog that book and go to appearances and sign autographs and do all the rest of it and you know. I'm definitely not doing anything like that here. I'm just kind of brainstorming and you know that that's the UFO thinker podcast is whatever I think, you know. So this is the kind of stuff I think about when I'm driving to work or whatever, you know. It's uh, again, it's entertaining for me, it, you know. And the the thing that always really intrigues me as I've mentioned on previous episodes of the podcast is the things that people imagined as crazy, wacky, woo-woo ideas 50 years ago there is a certain percentage of those things that have turned out to be exactly true. And even if there's only a small percentage of what I've just delved into there that's true, that turns out one day that it is actually a, a bit of that is, is kind of true, still fascinating, isn't it? Because I've, I've talked about some crazy stuff there and vast majority of it could be complete nonsense. It could be. It could be that a lot of it was true, you know, but I think it's fairly, you know, fairly unlikely. But... You never know where the consciousness goes, you know, where the imagination goes when it's left to its own devices can can sometimes stumble across things that actually are true. But as I say, what I'm definitely not trying to do is present all of this as, as an actual scientific theory or something with any fact behind it. It's just a bit of fun. So hope you've enjoyed listening. As always, you can get me on uh, Twitter if you want to share your thoughts about this. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to hear. You know, do you think there could be any truth to any of that? Do you think I'm completely talking a lot of nonsense? <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's keep it friendly. But um, yeah, if you do want to get in touch with me to share any thoughts, it's um, at UFO Thinker, and uh, I'd love to hear from you. And uh, next episode. We're going to be getting back more into the factual side of things and, and delving into the science of um, of the matter rather than the, the crazy woo-woo imaginative stuff. So that's going to be about um, some of the most significant actual 
UFO cases that we have evidence, real cases that we can see, um, and back to the kind of the actual study of some real cases and um, whether or not there is any truth to crash retrievals. That's something that I've been really delving into recently. Um, I've read Ross Coltart's book. Um, in plain sight or at least some of it and um, a recommendation from from one of the the listeners of, of the show actually um nick on um on twitter agent black acid how are you doing sir if you're listening um recommending me to have a listen to the flying saucers are real and um i've listened to about half of it so far and that is absolutely fascinating i think it's it's a very old uh, publication which you can now actually listen to for free on youtube and i think a lot of sp- uh, podcasting uh, um platforms as well really really worth a listen um it delves into some really early on um, military sightings um, before Roswell, around about the time of Roswell and, um, you know, the, the, the decades kind of after that. Um, and it's really interesting to to hear. So I'll be going into a little bit of that. Um, obviously, Roswell, the original crash retrieval story, really, um, or certainly the biggest one. And... Yeah, the, the next episode, I've been doing a, quite a bit of research on this one. That's one of the ones where you have to research it, you know, because it's not just imaginative stuff where, you know, I'm just dreaming up cool concepts. It's it's real things that have happened in the physical world that we live in and um, getting to the bottom of whether or not it's likely that we actually have craft and the extent of that, do we just have bits of craft and examining the the arguments for and against that um, that's something that I'm going to be getting into in the next episode so make sure you, you look out for that one um, and uh, yeah that's about it for now then so I'll see you guys hopefully in the next episode take it easy stay curious look after yourselves UFO Podcast